Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Now on Food FM, you're listening to Bread and Butter with Caroline Kenyon. Caroline and her guests make sense of the world through food, from politics to farming, making and cooking. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Hello, I'm Caroline Kenyon and it's my huge pleasure to welcome to Bread and Butter today the massively popular polymath of comedy, writing, medicine, if you're lucky, Harry Hill. Welcome to Bread and Butter, Harry. Oh, thanks, Karen. Yes, you'd be pretty unlucky to be uh, faced with me as your doctor, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't done it for a long, long time. Well, less unlucky than if you were faced by me, but still, it's an absolute <laughs> pleasure to have you with us. So, Harry, we're going to have a little chat today about, about Harry and food. So tell me, um, what kind of place does food have in your life? Are you somebody who's thinking about the next meal as you're finishing the last one? Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I was, um, somebody was telling me that uh, Omar Sharif, in his, as he, when he got older, you know, the great sort of Lothario uh, Omar Sharif, apparently when he woke up in the morning, he said, um, the first thing he thought about is what's for dinner. And I feel very much like Omar Sharif. You get to a, a certain age, I think, I'm 59 now, Food plays an increasingly important part in your life, I think. I don't know why that is, but I'm always thinking, you know, like my kids, I've got kids in their 20s and they, they'll just sort of throw anything down. But I'm, uh, I'm oh, I wonder if I could, yes, I should have that. And, uh, mm, oh, yes, we could have that, you know, whatever. So, yeah, it's, um, it's an important part. But ironically, of course, as you get older, the more the effects of food, um, you know, are more noticed. I mean, you know, you put on weight, basically, if you... Yeah, if you're understood. Older. So who it's, is the It's a really chef? nasty trick, isn't it? You know, we become more interested in food, but it does us uh, more harm. It's cruel. Mm. So who who um, rattles the pans in your household? Is it you? Is it your partner? It's not me, Caroline. The thing is, I mean, I used to look after myself, you know, when I was uh, you know, unmarried and... You know, I used to cook my own dinners and stuff. I was perfectly good at that. You know, I'd buy a couple of chops. You know, one of the first things when I left home, one of the uh, few bits of advice that my mum gave me was get to know your local butcher. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, 1988. So I did get to, to know my local butcher, and he used to sell me the most expensive cuts of meat he could find, it seemed to me. Anyway, so I used to be perfectly good at just sort of feeding myself. And then... Um, there was a, a spaghetti bolognese that I made. I mean, it was a build-up gradually of sort of culinary mistakes. And then I did make this spaghetti bolognese. I mean, I always had a very limited um, number of 
recipe that I did. And the kids all complained about it because it had too much meat in it. I don't know what was wrong with it. But then I thought, and, so, and they were all so sort of angry about it that since then I haven't really cooked anything. I cook Sunday lunch. You know, I can do a roast. I do Christmas lunch. I mean, you know, that's just banging stuff in the oven, isn't it? But um, pretty, not very much in the kitchen anymore. You know, no, I mean, that's... I made one loaf of focaccia during the lockdown. Oh, so you weren't doing your bit for the whole bread movement then? Well, I did, you know, like I say, I tried it once. But I mean, that was mm. a big, you know, that was a big thing. Big thing for me. You know, I forgot mm. to mix the olive oil in. Oh, that's um, quite critical, isn't it? It yes, is. Yes, that's interesting. So, but you tell me it was your mother who advised you to befriend your local butcher. So, yeah. when you grew up, were your family interested in food? Did you talk Not about really. food? I would say, I mean, this is a, a broad generalization, but in Kent in the 70s, food was just something that you used to sustain you, really. You know, my mum, you know, no one would take a photograph of their lunch, for instance. You know, if Instagram had been around, you know, you wanted to basically forget your lunch. You didn't want to remember it. You know, it was sort of meat. It was very much meat and two veg. So it'd be, you know, my mum uh, would make, you know, chops and mash and, you know, sausages and you know, it was potatoes with everything, you know, maybe a bit of gravy. And then she discovered the slow cooker. I remember she bought a slow cooker and this sort of, um, this changed things quite a lot. You know, she would do sort of stews and that. And then they brought in the, uh, she discovered the cooking sauces. Remember those? I do. It's hard for people to, you know, younger people to appreciate this, but kind of processed foods. I mean, there were a lot of processed foods, but the, but, it, but that kind of sophisticated, if you like, you know, a cooking sauce. Oh, absolutely. Know, was, um, Have you read Toast by Nigel Slater? No, I haven't. Oh, it it's like wonderful. I, should do. I highly recommend mm. it because it's all about that. And I remember he describes it as um, ham in um, tins shaped like um, tombstones. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, well, it was sort of mimicking it. the shape of the meat, wasn't it? It was supposed to mimic the shape of the meat. And it came in a sort of thick jelly. And you would, um, and that's what I used to have, you know, for lunch, sandwiches made from that. Absolutely. Frey bentos pies were a special treat. Yeah. And, and actually it was very... I mean, my brother and I thought it was like Christmas if we got smashed. I didn't know. My mum didn't do any of that. No, she didn't do any of that. No, she she did really... She would have fresh veg and all that. She wouldn't go oh, down that route. we usually route. did. Yeah. Well, that's why yeah. it was an extra treat to have something yeah. from a packet. I always thought it had thought a sort of slightly... that was the height of sophistication. I always thought it had a slightly bitter aftertaste. Yeah, but I said that was part acidic. of the magic. But, um, yeah, so moving magic. on... So... Um, <laughs> So the young Harry emerges unscathed from his um, diet. I wouldn't say unscathed. I used to have a fried <laughs> breakfast. My mum, so I'm one of five kids. My mum had this big griddle and I'm, I'm uh, gesturing a griddle, which is sort of like, um, I don't know, three quarters of a metre. <laughs> to me, anyway, it was probably half a metre. It was a big electric thing that she plugged in and she'd cook us all fried breakfast every morning, fried bread, fried egg, fried bacon, that was it, I think. And, um, Goodness. And then that she was would quite turn an it... achievement. That's almost like Amazing. running a cafe. Yeah, yeah. In uh, lard, you know, fried in lard. And um, and then she'd, uh, you know, and that would be remelted the next morning for the, for the next... <laughs> so, you know, I'm sure it's, but, it must have had some effect on my, my insides anyway. Well, it's interesting because I remember in years gone by, I went to a homeopath for a while and she's asking me about diet. And we, we do eat, as a family, we do eat very, very healthily. Uh, mm. um, but then I remember, I think 
She asked well, me. Well, we all do now, what? but in, in those days, see, the, the thing is, if you when you're a bit older, you appreciate that the guidelines have changed. It's, you know, in the seventies, no one was eating. You weren't allowed to eat butter or dairy, was it? it was all, you know, they introduced Flora. Skin and Everyone was drinking, yeah, margarine, and um, of course, that's all nonsense. Exactly, but I remember when my husband and I first met. We used to go to a greasy spoon near us in London every Saturday for breakfast with the newspapers, which was delightful. So I remember saying that the homeopath was asking me about diet and so on, and how often did I have a cooked breakfast? And I said, oh, you know, like you know, once a week or something. And she looked horrified. She said, once a year. So yeah. as you say, thinking yeah, changes. Yeah, I don't have it once a week. Yeah, I mean. I did a big tour in the uh, autumn, and it's interesting the effect that your family has on your diet, particularly if you're not cooking. And so when, when, when it's like me and the tour manager on tour, it is, and you're in hotels, it is a fried breakfast every day, and it is, you know, burgers and pork pies and and all that stuff that you, you, you kind of revert to. I know it's a convenience thing as well, but it's, it's partly reverting to your original taste, I think, which, it was, which is probably engendered in you from, um, from childhood. That could well be. I have to say that the, the thing of um, a cooked breakfast every week is a long time ago, and uh, I think mm. now it is once a year for me as a treat. Well, I had a fried egg and bacon uh, back. I look forward to it, and I love it. And then after I've had one, I think I'll wait another year. I love fish and chips. You know, um, we go to Whitstable a lot down in Kent, and there's a there's a um, the fish and chip shop there, VC Jones, who still cook it in beef dripping. And that, that is, is a treat. That is a real treat, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a very lovely thing. So, um, tell me, you you mentioned that your your grown up children that sort of food is sort of more mm. fuel. So, do you eat together as a family? Is that a thing where you will sit round? Well, they've moved out. I mean, supplements? they've moved out, but I mean, they did. Uh, yeah, we would always have. You know, we'd always we're old fashioned like that. Sure, yeah. Everyone has I think it's you. lovely. I love the mm. conversation around food. And from you know, if you ask me, what are my happy times? It's it's all eating together and that well i prefer to eat out i think when you're at home it's all very well the conversation aspect of it but too often it turns into arguments i think if you've got all the kids like you know i've got three kids and we're all at home eating inevitably there's some argument whereas if you go out for dinner you have to sort of behave yourself a bit what because you're in public yeah reined in it's a treat it's a kind of a treat yeah it's kind of a treat and everyone's standing on best behavior yeah, well, it sounds like you have lively discussion in the Hill household, which doesn't come altogether as a surprise. So I imagine they're all fairly independent-minded. Yeah, they're very, you know, yeah, single-minded, and um, they won't put up with any rubbish. So I think this is another thing that's changed <clears throat> since we were, uh, when I was a kid. You know, when your parents were some kind of, well, basically parents, whereas now your parents are your friends, it seems to me. <laughs> So, you're, so our kids talk to us like, like you know, they don't, they don't um, mind their p's and q's. You know, they're not sort of polite. No, there's no innate respect. So, no, and I, you know, I would never swear in front of my mum or really. I mean, unless you know, I've seen a car crash or something. Do you know what I mean? No, I do completely. Yeah. I mean, my my husband always used to wear a tie if we were going for Sunday lunch at his mother's, and he would never have dreamt yes. of doing anything else. But he certainly wouldn't wear one for me. No, no. Rightly so. And but you know, eating together and discussion and conversation and debate, which can tip over into an argument, is all a part of being 
a family and being alive and the, the community of food, isn't it? Yeah, Which sure. brings me neatly to the Meatball campaign, Harry, which is how we come to be <laughs> chatting together. Yes, there's Meatball an ulterior month. motive, I'm afraid. Yes. I know, I know. So here we are. We are chatting to you as ambassador for the Muscle Help Foundation and Meatball Month, which is its fundraising um, campaign. Tell me, how, how did you come to be involved with this particular rather wonderful charity that, that um, gives sort of special occasions to children and young adults who live with muscular dystrophy? How did that come into your life, Harry? Well, originally, I got, I mean, involved in another um, muscular dystrophy uh, charity called uh, Action Duchenne. And I got involved with that because a friend of mine, his son suffered with it. And, um, and so they asked me to get involved. And um, obviously, you know, if you're sort of well known, you get asked to do a lot of kind of... Um, charity things and uh, you can't do everything but this one I think you know if you have a, a personal you have to have a reason for getting involved really and uh, I went along to their conference the, I remember the first time I went to their conference and I met all these and basically you know muscular dystrophy if, if you don't know it affects young men in you know uh, primarily and so there's a lot of young men and they become increasingly weak and um and have a limited lifespan, and although that's you know um, being extended all the time, so um, it's a very difficult uh, it's a very difficult disease for for everyone involved, not just the people with it, but the, the with the families because there's a, this awful uncertainty. And of course, young men want to run around and do things that young men do, and increasingly they're uh, uh, you know stuck in wheelchairs and so forth. So you know this this event, these events that. Um, Michael McGrath is who I've met through. I mean, if, I, if you want me to, uh, I'll tell you what happened. So this friend of mine, unfortunately, yeah, right died. Here. He died of it. You know, he, he was 28, 29. <laughs> and it is, uh, they asked me to talk at the funeral. And I talked at the funeral. And this other man spoke at the funeral, this guy, Michael McGrath, who has it, who is living with it. Who is, a, you know, is a, I don't know how old he is, but he's, um, he's doing really, really well. <laughs> he's doing really, really well. And he's very charismatic. And he's and he's very difficult to say no to, so he invited me round to his house and we and he sprung this on me. And it's very difficult to um, argue with it, really. You know, it's just a way of really, you know, all, all charities you know, they have to find a way of, um, you know, paying the uh, paying the bills. And um, and this friend of mine who died had been on one of these Porsche. It was an experience going around the uh, the racetrack at um, Silverstone in these. Porsches. It was all uh, sorted out by Porsche, and it had made such a big difference to him that this is something that he w- that you know really stayed with him. So you know, I could see the direct benefits. Uh, I was involved with the charity anyway, and um, this seems like a really good uh, a really good charity su- to support. You have to cook meatballs. You have to invite people around and charge them for the experience. And then you donate the money to um, the Muscle Help Foundation. Well, what a very simple and lovely thing to do. Why not? It's simple, but you do have to do it. You do actually have to make the meatballs, which I haven't done it yet. Obviously, it's November. The idea is Meatball Month is November. It's all on meatballmonth.com. So you've got you can get all the details. Thank you. So you do. I do need to find a good recipe. Do you have a good recipe for meatballs, Caroline? I need one. <laughs> Moving on quickly. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm it doesn't very. Doesn't have to be meat, of course. It can be. No, no. 
I've got that. I, and, I love hmm. using what I've got in the house. I mean, I live in the mid, I live in North Lincolnshire, and uh, uh, I wonder where that was. Mm. And we are five miles from the nearest shop, so I tend to cook with what we've got. So we have yes more than one freezer. We have a pantry. It's like the seventies, yeah, that was of. the thing. Yeah, a, bit, a big chest but- freezer. Yeah, but uh, no, not a chest freezer because I'm small. I can never reach what's at the bottom of it. Mm, so it never gets used. I had, mm. had to get an upright one for that reason. Cause, and also I was always worried about falling in, trying to reach yeah. that last bag of frozen peas. But um, uh, so, yeah, I just use what whatever we've got. So I would make meatballs. I mean, if I had a tin of sardines and some potatoes and some chives, I'd probably make some sardine meatball-shaped mm. patties. Well, I think or- technically they would be fish cakes. They round ones. Mm. I mean, I don't think it really matters what you. Cook. I don't think it matters. Or I'd use chickpeas. Or yeah, if I if I had a bag of mints, I I just throw them in with anything. With yeah, you know, mash up some oat cakes to make instead of breadcrumbs. Mm. So I don't. I yeah, don't. I'm not sure. I'm not a I'm great not sure. follower mm. of recipes. I just use what's there. Or use a recipe as a springboard. That's what a chef friend of mine said. Never regard a recipe as a straitjacket. It's a beginning. Mm. That's how I got into trouble over the spaghetti bolognese, I think. Oh, were you freestyling? So you've got to, <laughs> well, you've got to have a feel for it, I think, haven't you? You obviously yes. know a bit more about food than I do. Well, I think the more you cook, the, the better you get. And during the um, lockdowns, um, my brother and I became carer for our mother in London. And I I couldn't get a supermarket slot at the beginning. So we got all our food from in, in de, independent suppliers, who mm. most of whom had supplied restaurants, which, of course, were all closed. And they had to switch to supplying private homes. So while we ate incredible quality, restaurant quality ingredients i was always worried about running out so mm. you know if there were three peas left over after supper i put the three peas in on on a plate in the fridge you know as my mother-in-law had done you know as a post you know a wartime person um so i got much better just improvising and the more i improvised the better i got at it mm. yeah is a case of the more you do so maybe maybe more bolognese, Harry. Just got to keep riffing on the mayonnaise. Uh, not Get back mayonnaise, on the horse, bolognese. yeah. Get back on the horse. Maybe I just you know make small portions for myself. I think so. I think you need to get your your mm. um your courage and confidence back up. But mm. I mean, maybe maybe you could make a commitment to have meatballs every night for the month and do a different meatball every night. That would seem yes. That sounds like more of a threat than a something to look forward to. <laughs> Yes. So how many people are coming round to your house for meatballs? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, it'll be the kids for sh- for sure. Then they'll, you know, we'll have to charge them and a couple of friends. You know, I'm not a big uh, dinner party person, Karen. I really, you know. Dinner parties, I can't remember when I last went to a dinner party. Have no, pe- people don't have them. You go out, don't you? Well, not in the countryside. When no, we first God, moved here. It sounds here, awful in the countryside. The picture you're painting of it sounds terrible. No, it's lovely. I love it, but cut off. When Never my see no, 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 it's wonderful. It's like being in your own little Wild paradise. About falling into the freezer. <laughs> yeah, it does sound sounds like a kind of rather sinister comedy, doesn't it? Like uh, when we first moved here, my husband asked this chap whom we knew slightly, who's very, very tall. My husband said, "Where do you go to the pub?" And what he meant was a kind of nice kind of gastro pub where you could, you know, meet mm. some friends. 
have some drinks yeah. and then maybe a bit of, you know, mm. pigeon breast well, or right. mash. Oh, I see what you mean, yes. And this chap mm. looked down his nose from, you know, six foot five and said, mm. oh, we're eating each other's houses. And we thought he was being snobbish, but now we've been here for 25 years, we understand what he means because being a long way from anywhere, yeah. uh, one person can't drive because yeah. they've had something to drink. So one person can't drink. So you don't want to, why would you go out for dinner in Lincoln, which is a 30 mile round trip yeah. for one person? Yeah, this is why I keep telling my wife when she says she wants to move to the country. You're always you in your have... car. You're either in your car or in your freezer. Well, that's true. That is true. So then you have to get the dog to make sure that you have exercise because otherwise you're always sitting in a car. Mm. So it's just yeah. a spiral, Harry. It really is. Yeah. Ironically, you're getting less exercise than if you lived in the city. I did realise that when we first moved here, but mm. we do have a dog. Curious, who's, isn't it? He's um, being very quiet at the moment and he's under my desk. So he, he's the mm. third person in our marriage on radio, so to speak. Back to meatballs. So you'll be having your children and some of their friends over some meatballs in November. Menu yes. TBC. Probably a couple of times, I think, you know. That's a lovely thing to do. So, and can we go online and find recipes to inspire us? So you've got the you've got various celebrity chefs that have got on board on this um, this meatball month thing, right? So, for instance, I do Junior uh, Bake Off with Rav Ravneet Gill, yes. who um, is married to a, a chef, and they have sent in their recipe. Tom Parker Bowles, the um, I don't know if he's uh, heir to the son of the queen. <laughs> The son of the queen, gosh, really. And food writer. Uh, and food writer. Tom Kerridge's recipe, Lawrence Delalio's. Who Ooh. knew? Ken Hom, Thai style meatballs. How lovely. That, that looks nice. There's all sorts of people's. Fantastic. So people can I go. Think mine should be up there, really, but I haven't, haven't supplied it. Angela Hartnett. Wow. She's well known. That's going to be a Michelin starred meatball. Yeah. So well, that's lots really. Of great recipes on there. Fantastic. So there is something mm. for everyone. And it, yeah. is a, it is an amazing cause. I, I'm really encouraged to hear, Harry, you say that actually people are living longer with it than they used to. So there is, there is a, some, there are some hopeful signs on the horizon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there always are. But I mean, like all these uh, charities, you know, none of them are funded by, um, you know, the state doesn't fund any, any um, pretty much any... Uh, medical research you know uh, cancer research is all uh, funded by donation and um, all these charities for uh, muscular dystrophy are um, rely totally on on uh, donations so it's really really important that they get them absolutely and if you prefer you could just make a donation i suppose you don't have to well you could but you know balls. i i i, I recognize that the hill household can get a bit testy with each other when they're eating together but um, <laughs> Now you're but, putting words in my mouth. You're going to get me in trouble the next time I meet them. They're going to start having a go at me over this. <laughs> but in general, it is lovely to eat together. And, yes. you know, there will be far fewer wars, I'm sure, if people broke bread together. So it's such a simple way to show your affection, to, to cook for your yeah. friends and for and your it's family. it's always good to find a new recipe, you know. I mean, you know, joking apart, um, part of my problem is that I've got like three or four recipes that I've always you know and they tend to be just re you know rehashed over mm. and over again and it is good to um to try someone else's idea particularly these Definitely. experts you know 
And, well, and, and you know, we all buy these Tom recipe books. Doesn't know how to do a meatball. I don't know what the world is coming to. Yeah. And it's all very well buying recipe books, but you know, there's so many recipes in a recipe book, you don't really know, you know. Well, the average you know, person apparently start. uses about two or three recipes from each recipe book, which, bearing in mind they've got about 80, yeah. is, is quite a low percentage. Mm. But I, I do speak as a cookery book addict, but I've run out of shelf space for the moment. Mm. I'm just looking in a kind of predatory way around the house to see where I could fit another one in. I mean, another shelf, set of shelves, not book. Oh, I see, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I do love them. I find them very comforting. But um, I think it. I think with cooking, it's it's about time and it's about confidence. And the more you do it, the more confident you get. It's like anything, I guess, isn't it? It's like stand-up comedy. It's the ten thousand hours. Mm. So, Harry, it's been such a delight to meet you. Thank you so much for for telling me about food in your life and about your relationship with this wonderful, wonderful charity and this lovely campaign. Um, meatball month so I do urge everybody who's listening to log on to meatball month and look up some of these delightful recipes and have some friends around what could go wrong but also (laughs) you will be raising money for this wonderful cause and giving young people pleasure who so deserve it Harry thank you absolutely nice talking to you Caroline thanks you're listening to bread and butter with Caroline Kenyon To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.